Good evening, everybody. We are here with session 183, September the 23rd, the year of the Lord 2023. So you know we are alive. Yeah, hallelujah. Because he is the God of the living and the dead. Today we are living. <laughs> we are alive. The net is back. And we have all the questions, too many questions actually. But we shall look to the Lord for the answers because he alone has all the answers. Father, this evening we just come to you, Lord. We just want to thank you. We just want to praise you. We just want to worship you, Lord. Mm. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We commit this time into thy hands. Thank you for bringing everyone through this week, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. As we look into the questions, we pray you will continue to answer us, Lord. Comfort many who are listening. Let them receive an answer, Lord, to questions they may have been carrying for years. Touch, Lord, touch. Pray for those who are not well in the body of Christ. We speak healing into their bodies. Rest and peace into every soul. I pray, Father, the ministry of the word will Lift up your people. We just thank you. We just thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Pastor, we'll start with question number one. Uh, this is a question on self-deliverance. Self-deliverance. Um, uh, it says, Pastor, can we cast out demons out of ourselves? Is this biblical? But in the Lord's prayer, there is a line which says, deliver us from the evil one. <clears throat> I need an insight into this pastor as I would like, to, as I was told, it is not biblical and we cannot do it. Please share related Bible verses. Okay, first, this is a huge controversy in the groups within Christendom, those who believe in demons and those who don't believe. Don't worry, the demons believe in everybody. <laughs> And it's, and we people confuse between demon possession and demonic oppression. Mm. Okay. Demon possession is one thing. That's what we see in the, in the case of the man at Gadarenes and many times when Jesus went around. Please remember, uh, the ministry of Jesus, the new covenant ministry was attested by the casting out of demons. Mm. That's how you know the new covenant has come. The old covenant, it was not there. Man did not have that power because atonement was not there. But once Jesus comes in, one of the hallmarks of the new covenant uh, ministry is Jesus begins. Even John didn't do it. Mm. Jesus begins his ministry by casting out demons. And you will see that um, when he goes into synagogues, his presence causes them to manifest. Yes. When he starts preaching the word, they manifest. Mm. Okay. You don't see this happening anywhere in the Old Testament. Though we have very anointed, powerful preachers and prophets and all, we don't see this happening. So one of the signs of the Jesus ministry and therefore the new covenant ministry is the casting out of demons. The demons are cast out. And we have very powerful scenes over there. And then you see the apostles continuing the same thing. Yes. Now what happens is, this is, this is where, uh, theology comes in. Okay. Where you have one entire school who says a Christian cannot be demonized. 
cannot be demonized. But when you come to actual deliverance, you will realize that doctrine does not really stand. <laughs> that doesn't really stand. Mm-hmm. When the Holy Spirit comes, like, uh, because we need to see, one thing we need to see is we are lo- talking about a completely different realm. It is not a material realm. Mm. Neither angels nor demons are of material, like of phys- we are of physical material, but they are not. But our soul is not physical, neither is our spirit. Yes. So what happens is in that realm, in that realm, what happens is the Holy Spirit comes and resides in our spirit, our innermost being. But we are not talking about demon possession. We are talking about demonization where you see, like, like when you say, Put on the garment of praise when the spirit of heaviness comes. It is a spirit. Okay, it is a spirit. Mm. I have not given you the spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound of mind. So the question is, why is he writing this to Timothy if he is not struggling with that spirit of fear? Mm. Both letters he writes, okay? So we are not saying... um, Timothy has been possessed by that no. spirit, but he's demonized, meaning he's oppressed. And that is causing him not to break free to do things the way Paul is doing. Mm. Okay, Paul is doing. So you need to realize these spirits are real. These spirits are real and they can come anxiety, worry. These spirits are there. These are the, there is the human element part of it and the demonic element part of it. Okay, there is... Uh, so if you go to Mark 16, and of course, the nearly inspired version and all takes Mark 16 <laughs> off. A lot of people take this thing, but it was there. Mark 16 was there. If you come to Mark chapter 16, this is what the Bible says in 16. Those who believe baptized, if you come to word 17, 16, 17. 16, 17 months. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. Okay, so logically speaking, okay, logically speaking, if I believe I can cast out demons from somebody else and on the same way, if I am being oppressed, I can cast out the demons from myself too. Right? If there is a fly sitting on Pastor Vijay, I can swat it off. And if it's sitting on me, I can swat it off myself too. Mm. That's how you have to look at it. Okay? Otherwise, how can you put on the garment of praise when the spirit of oppression comes Mm. and it lifts off? Somebody has to sing for me. Mm -hmm. Somebody has to sing for me. I cannot sing myself and cast it out. Okay, and uh, Paul should be then doing a deliverance on Timothy instead of writing to him and says, you can do it yourself, reject it. Okay, God has not given it to you. Mm. Okay, so this is a constant thing which you do. Of course, uh, when you are, when you are in the stage of oppression to the next stage where you are in bondage, you will need help. Okay, you will not help. Now, I mean, if you look at it logically, like, no, we have a doctor in our midst. But a lot of people, when they are ill, they don't call the doctor because they already know what to do about it. Okay, I got a headache. Dr. Richard, what should I do? Maybe one time after that, you know, okay, what you need to take. You have a fever. You need to. But when it is not working, that is when you seek help. 
okay, when you seek help. But like we say, the Bible is in so many ways uh, a self-help book. Yeah. The reason is this. Why is it should be a self-help book? Like I spoke on Monday. Yeah, Monday was the day. It's a holiday, yeah. right? Monday, I said there are three stages of life which we should go through. The first stage is when we are a baby. When you are a baby, we are just honestly, logically, take emotions, feeling, we are just a burden. Burden. We are just a burden. Of course, it brings the parents a lot of joy. But if you take all that out, the baby is just a burden because the baby is not contributing anything to its own well-being. Yes. It won't do lift a finger to help itself because it doesn't even know. So the baby is just a burden. Mm. But as the baby starts growing up and becomes a little child, we start teaching it to eat by itself, drink by itself. A little as it grows from being a burden, it becomes from, it slowly stops being a burden. Mm. It's not a blessing yet. It stops being a burden. And then when the third stage comes is when that person grows up and starts taking the burden of others. That's when we start telling them, first you only take care of yourself, you're not a burden. Start sharing the other's burden. Do your chores, take the garbage out, wash the dishes, put away things. So now you know what the child has become. Now it's not a burden anymore. It has become a blessing. Mm. It's a blessing. This is what God wants every child of his to ideally be, Hmm. a blessing, a blessing. When we become a blessing, then God can send in people who are actually burdens. Okay. As long as we don't move into that, you need to realize uh, God cannot send people. God cannot send people. Okay, so the church is not just not just a people where people gather and clap their hands and they have a good time and they all go back home. Okay, a church is where people are able to send. It's also like it's also what you call a hospital. In a hospital, there are two kinds of people. The one there are the patients, and then there are the caregivers. Mm. Okay, but what happens if you go to a hospital and everybody is sick? It will shut down. Okay, so we need to realize in the church, honestly, if you look into the church, most people are either a burden or they are not a burden. Mm. Very few people choose to become a blessing who are willing to take the burden. And that is the stage to which that is actually what the anointing is for. People want all one anointing, anointing, anointing. But the question is, what is the ultimate purpose of anointing? Jesus, when he puts the manifesto of the new covenant, this is what he says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me for what? To set the captives free. Mm. Okay, set the captives free. So you need to realize anointing has two purposes. One, it sets you free. But if that is all that you want to be, you are still selfish. Still selfish. You still have not gone into stage three of your growth, where God wants to commit things into your hands. A lot of people want to uh, know, Lord, Pastor, I want to know God's will for me. The question is, where's, which stage are you? Mm. Stage are you? You will never know God's will for you as long as you remain in stage one or stage, because God cannot reveal it to you. Cannot reveal it to you. Because you are not ready for it. 
because the thing is that okay but i am not i am not a burden to anybody which is true you're not a burden to anybody but the problem is you're not a blessing to anybody either, either. you're not a blessing either in which way do you make somebody else's carry somebody else's burden somebody else's burden and that's what the church is looking for because a lot of people looking and look at the church and will say but i'm not doing anything precisely you're doing nothing <laughs> you're not doing nothing so you are just become basically uh, you're not a burden yes but the problem is you need to understand how the kingdom of god works the kingdom of god doesn't work that way it doesn't work that way so when you talk about oppression also it is that way you you can be oppressed okay and sometimes you are in bondage so you need somebody to somebody to what you call it somebody to help you but after that please remember when we go it's jesus used that illustration jesus uses that final lesson to his disciples uh, the night of the passover he washes their feet okay he washes his feet okay and he was telling them something this is basically what like I, I, we have used this example over and over again when you go into the world it is a sick world hmm. it's a sick world it's a materialistic world it is a demonic world and there is so many things happening in the world but you cannot help it you live in this world you have to go into that world and when you come back from that world you don't know what all things you have carried on your body in your mind mm. what all things is there in your mind which is spiritual mm. which is spiritual uh, which otherwise if it is not spiritual even in our own church let's check with everybody in the church does everybody come back home praising and worshiping god mm. no we can ask anybody i don't have to ask i know nobody comes home like that most people don't come back like that they come back tired they come weary they come back oppressed they come back angry they come i'm upset the question is why did you come back like that what happened the question is what is the solution to it pastor can you do a deliverance on me no mm-hmm. god says listen worship will lift it up listening to the word will cleanse you up so what is actually happening something is happening over there the jesus is telling the disciples right you are clean because of, of the, the word. word because they walked with him and they listened to his ministry and because of that process you know what they were clean so the question is what they were what were they clean from what were they clean from mm. Okay, so this is what we need to understand. You truly can cast out demons. Any things that oppresses you, there are modalities given in the Bible, and you can you can cast it out, and you should do it constantly. And that is where worship comes. That is where praise comes. That is come word comes, and exercising your authority because he says in my name. So you have you can do it if you want to do it. You can do it. Anything that is not of God on me that has. clinging on to me even in my thought process in my mind mm-hmm. okay i if you go to second corinthians chapter 10 and read from verse uh, 3 4 and 5 right though we walk in the flesh we do not war according to the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty in god for pulling down stronghold the simple question is where is this stronghold mm. a stronghold is something which is that is of the enemy or it can be of god so where is this stronghold hmm. it's a demonic stronghold a demonic you know demons can stick to ideas 
Because they are not material. And then that idea is so powerful. Though you are born again and you are saved, the idea is so powerful and it is not of God. And that idea controls in so much of the way you function and you you think. Let me ask you this question. And to GTC and the people who are listening, how many of you think Kamala is kosher? Kamala Harris is kosher. You can see her. Two years, three years, we have seen her, everything. Now, you know she is not kosher. You know there is something absolutely wrong with her. You know there is nothing about godly or anything about her. But do you know how many people, Christians, women, even in our own church, when she became vice president, put her DP up on their DP? So what does that tell you? There is something in your thinking process which is still feminist and not Christian. It's a stronghold. Why would you put somebody like that who is an abomination to Christianity as you who is born again, Holy Spirit filled, put her this thing as your, because you still are not free in your thinking. You're still not free as a woman. As a woman, you're still not free. You still need those ideas to set you free. You know, those ideas don't set you free. That makes you a slave. Ideologies also have demonic Influence on it. So when the Bible is talking about the doctrine of demons, so the Bible is talking about casting down arguments, every high thing. So what are these things? These are in your mind. So the demonic oppression can be in your body. Okay. Otherwise, how if you fall ill, do you pray? I cast out this spirit of infirmity out of my soul. There is a spirit of infirmity, Infirmity, right? That is in your body. There are ideas which are connected in your soul, in your mind, casting down arguments. Now, honestly, let me tell you that argument is demonic and there is a demonic entity that is empowering you. If it is not by self, then pastors will have not no time because they are casting every time every congregation member is pastor. I'm thinking this would he cast this argument out? No, that's not how it happens. Yeah. You yeah. are involved in warfare. Absolutely. You are actually involved in warfare because the idea in itself does not have power unless there is something demonic attached to it. That's why some ideas don't sell. Some products don't sell in the market. Some songs which are extremely good but never become viral because there is no entity because the demonic did not receive anything for them to sell it. Because there is something, the devil made it very clear. I can give this all to you. All you have to do is you worship me. Mm. So you know there is a demonic and the godly that is controlling everything that is happening over here. And if you believe Christians are immune to it, you are foolish. You haven't read Ephesians chapter 6? Okay, Ephesians 6 from 10 onwards when it is beginning, first is telling us, you know what? This is how you need to stand. Finally, my brethren, what? Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Put on the, why should I put on the whole armor of God? Second question. What happens if a believer is walking around without putting on the full armor of God? What is the logical conclusion? He is not able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Now the question is, is any believer actually walking 24-7 conscious about the whole armor of God? No. No, he's not. So, the armor has its own chinks or huge gaps. So, what happens over there is the enemy attacks. The enemy attacks your body. Enemy attacks your soul. 
an enemy attacks your thinking process it attacks your emotions it attacks your will mm. so what happens is it takes a put on the lift the whole shield of faith against the flaming arrows of the enemy so we are under constant attack and the fact of the matter is if you are truly honest to yourself at the end of the day when you check you will realize the enemy got through it so many times okay the only person who ever walked on earth without ever allowing the enemy any space in any area of his life was jesus my simple question is why did paul and barnabas fight to such a point that they went two different ways why couldn't they have reconciliation let's forget what they were arguing about there were two brothers in the law two apostolic anointing was upon them what was the problem the enemy got in between them and they couldn't overcome it bah they couldn't have, i mean they could have settled that issue very peacefully the bible says it was such a heated yeah, argument they went to different yeah. ways argument got very heated right okay so you need to realize none of the people we see in the bible consistently walked in victory so they also had to no so they had to go through the whole process of confessing and uh, receiving mercy so that they devil does not have any legal mm, right. grounds to stand on that is where first thing is confession unless you confess you give him a legal ground because you bring something that is in the realm of darkness meaning it is not dark in the sense it is hidden god knows it all probably the people to whom you shouted or got angry they also know about it the demonic realm so it doesn't mean it is unknown it means it is in a different realm that controls it hmm. you have given them power to control your feelings your emotions your thinkings your attitude your reaction they have power over it so god says you confess it so that you break the legal right because remember there is this courtroom scene mm. the accuser of the brethren who accuses them day and night how was he cast down how did they overcome him by the blood of the lamb okay and you need to realize as great men say the blood never works in darkness it only works in the light yeah if you don't confess he is under no obligation to cleanse you so that is the first step the first step of deliverance is bringing this before god Mm-hmm. and confessing it and when it confesses the blood of jesus cleanses you of all unrighteousness and god says you don't have to get scared or worried or anything about it and uh, hebrews 4:16 is a very very powerful words about how we should come to god right come boldly confidently therefore come boldly to the throne of grace question is how can what do we obtain first mercy Okay, why can we come boldly? It's because of the blood. It is of the blood of Jesus. Okay, the blood of Jesus is what. If you look at ten uh, nineteen also Hebrews ten nineteen also uses the same kind of imagery oh, over there. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of that is what gives us boldness. Okay, that is what gives us boldness. Jesus has paid the price. the blood is there and that blood will cleanse me so that's a first step of deliverance the first step of deliverance is the most important step of deliverance A lot of people do not realize why they don't get deliverance is because they are blocked in step 1 they don't realize mercy is available till your last breath wow. and you can come boldly to god and ask for mercy how can you come boldly because twice god tells us come with boldness where 
to the holy of holies where God sits. That's where the mercy seat is. This is a complete contradiction to the old covenant where nobody had, not even the high priest on the day of atonement had boldness to go over there. Hmm. But the new covenant, the curtain has been ripped. It has been open. God tells his children, come boldly, receive mercy. Why should I receive mercy? Because if you don't receive mercy, you will get more and more oppressed. You will start walking under condemnation instead of conviction and freedom. Conviction leads to freedom. freedom. A lot of people are walking under condemnation is simply because they don't do step one. It doesn't matter what you have done. That is not the point. Because if you're going to elevate your sin, then you're going to bring down God's mercy and the power of the blood. Mm. So it doesn't matter how small it is. Just because it is small, you do not stop going because it doesn't matter. The Bible says, be angry but do not sin. Mm. Do not let the sun go down on an anger. And a husband and a wife anger may be a small thing. May look like a small thing. But the Bible says you are given the double a toehold. Mm -hmm. A toehold. And you may not be even aware of it. The problem is, you said something. You may not be aware of it and you let it pass. But you don't realize the other person hasn't let it pass. Five years later, when you're having a very serious argument, those things are coming back and you realize because you did not confess, the devil had a toehold in the other person's life. Now you're looking at staring at a divorce. But what happened is was you did not understand what God said. You, we know that is how so many like, you know, uh, if you ask with doctors, they will say after you go through a particular age, you should go through every year, yearly screening of everything. Because, you know, if you had screened and if this had been detected at that time, you would not have reached this point. It would have been easily, you could have solved it then. Now it has become stage two, stage three cancer. Now you don't know what to do. But the fact was that if you had done the screening, then it would have been diagnosed, could have been handled it very, very easily. And life is also like that. Hmm. Life is like that. And God says, don't take anything lightly. Don't take what God's word says lightly. God says, you come to me daily. The smallest thing, the biggest thing, receive mercy. Receive mercy. Why? Because it will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Unrighteousness. Because if you do not, you give room to the enemy. He will come and accuse you before me. Hmm. You give him grounds to attack you. Then you feel oppressed. You feel depressed. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't like feel like worshipping. I don't keep going like I'm missing church today. You know what happened? You gave him grounds. Now he's attacking your mind. That is where this process of deliverance, self-deliverance is the very end. The first step of self-deliverance is going through this. And then you pull down arguments. There is a demonic argument going in your mind. You, are, you feel condemned. And you go back and you look into the word of God and say, no, I will not receive it. I reject that spirit that is causing this condemnation because it is written. Yeah. Right? Jesus used that with the devil. He said, it is written. He spoke it out and we speak it out and you, you confess it and you confess it and you, what happens, you know what? Those oppressing spirits leave you and suddenly you feel, you know what? I'm not feeling condemned anymore. Where did this thing come from? Okay. When you put, when you start, you know, even if you don't, I tell people, you don't need to, to be a great singer to praise. Because we're living in a time when oppression is the highest. So the tools God has given us is also 
the maximum. We have every mode of music available. Put it on, sing along, let it play in the background, let worship flow. You know what? This You will also sing along and as you put on the garment of praise, you know what? These spirits lift off. Lift up. Otherwise, what will happen is what you will have. First, you will feel condemned. Then you will go to stage two. Now it goes into negativity, which is self-pity. Oh no, I am no good. And nobody likes me anymore. I'm useless. And he, that's basically what he wants to be. Mm. And God doesn't allow you to wallow in self-pity. Even if you have reached the peak pen, come to your senses, get up and come back. Okay, that's why, I mean, you'd expect <laughs> Jesus to show some pity. You know, he says, he looks at the man who's been sitting there for 38 years. No pity, nothing. He says, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? If you want to get well, pick up your mat and walk. Mm. Okay, so you don't waste these things on people. So if you want to get well, you can get well. A lot of people want pity. You're not going to get pity. If you want to get well, you can get well. Because why? Luke ten nineteen. what does Jesus say? It still stands. It is scripture. Scripture cannot be broken. Behold, I give you authority to trample upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now the question is, who is trampling? We. On which, who, therefore, who is the serpent and scorpions coming against? You. You. You are not trampling upon somebody else's serpents. You are trampling upon these serpents and these scorpions, which are spiritual entities over here, who are trying to get into your mind, into your body, to oppress you. He says, no, you trample upon them. I give you power. I give you authority to trample, to cast them out of you, to get break this argument in your mind and walk in the liberty, in the freedom which God is giving you. You have given that. So it doesn't matter what people say. Look into scripture. Look into scripture and see how it operates because the devil will keep on coming. He's very good at his job. He didn't even leave Jesus alone. Hmm. He didn't even leave Jesus alone. When he failed to directly attack Jesus, then he started. He went through Peter, the closest of the chief of the apostles. He went after him and tried to Jesus. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Hmm. Okay, Because he's trying to win an argument in Jesus' mind. And you know that thought is there in Jesus' mind. He's the temptation. He was tempted at all points and yet did not sin. And the greatest temptation he faced was not to go to the cross. That was the greatest temptation he faced is in the Garden of Gethsemane. The greatest temptation was how is to avoid the cross. Mm. And that was his greatest battle. But let me ask you this question. Who vocally addressed this to him? Not to go to the cross. Peter. Peter is closest. He's closest. Mm. Peter is the one whom the devil used as his mouthpiece to put that thought into his mind. Don't go to the cross. Okay. He addresses immediately, get behind me, Satan. And then... Some time later, he's struggling himself personally in the Garden of Gethsemane. So you need to realize the devil comes in different forms. Mm -hmm. Okay. So temptation is from the devil. Okay. You have desire. So Jesus had a desire. What was the desire? To avoid the cross. It's not a bad desire. You don't Mm -hmm. have to go through suffering and pain for its own sake. No, no parent loves, likes putting their children through that. But the father has willed that his son should go through this, but he is fighting that desire. 
okay, to avoid, avoid pain. And so you need to realize there is something that is at the human level. There is something that is always on the demonic level. Demonic level. And we have to fight it. We have to fight it. Okay? And when it becomes oppressive, you have to cast it out. So you have Luke 10, 19. You have Mark 16 and verse 17. Onwards, if you go further, you're going again into that. You know, The Bible says, you know what? These signs will follow those who believe in my name. They will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And they will take up serpents. So the question is, what is this serpent? Are you talking about serpent has serpents? Or are you talking about dealing with demonic entities? Mm. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So the question is, if you fall sick, what do you do? You lay hands upon yourself and claim that healing, which is there in Mark 16, 18. First, do yourself. And if it doesn't work, then call your pastor. Right? First, take two Tylenol to see if the headache goes. <laughs> and if it doesn't work, then call Dr. Richard. Mm. Why should you disturb him all the time over the same thing? He's already told you, right? So, the first thing is that that's what I do. I Christ lay hands upon myself and I speak kidding of my body. Because who is the one who is sick? It is me. I am the one who is sick. And it is written. And also like I say there is one healing for the sick and there is immunity for those who are not sick. Like we had a wave of viral fever over there. And like I said my right hand and my left hand both were down. Which Pastor Vijay was down. He was down unable to get up. And Ma was also was down but I came through it. Just didn't touch me at all. Hallelujah. I will not allow it to touch me because, you know, you cannot have three down. Okay. So I believe in immunity because this is there. So the question is, when you're believing in something which is spiritual, the question is, it has to be backed up with scripture. Hmm. It has to be backed up with scripture because the power comes from what God has spoken. What did God say? You will say, okay, there is one ill on my right and one ill on my left. A thousand shall fall at once. <laughs> at the side, but it shall not come near me. Amen. So you have something over here. But when it comes about, you, we need both, right? Honestly, think about it. You are a family. Like, um, we had many families like that where almost everybody else was ill, Except but one. one was well. One was well, okay, because you need both. Mm. So it is there in one verse. You, those who are sick will receive healing, while the other, if they drink anything deadly, you are breathing in virus after virus after virus, but you are believing in this, the supremacy of God's word. He's spoken something, and heaven and earth will pass away, and it's so. You need backup for both. Mm. Okay, backup for both. This is where faith comes. This is where faith comes, okay? But this is what the devil doesn't want you to believe. That is why very graciously the nearly inspired version wants to take Mark 16 away. Because if you take Mark 16 away, you know what? So many of the things which we actually love, need to fight and love day to day is taken away. Is taken away. Mark 16 is a very powerful chapter. Very, very powerful chapter. So this is how you have to look at demonic oppression. Okay, If you go to uh, Jesus was uh, Acts 10 1038, 10.38, Acts 10.38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth 
with the Holy Spirit, with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. So the devil brings oppression, he brings diseases. Mm, both. Yeah. He brings both. Direct. Direct. I'm not saying all diseases but, yes. are, yeah. but he can use your, he can use your, your desires and his power to tempt you so that you go and eat a shawarma and fall sick. <laughs> it's very simple. It's not, I mean, it just happened. Okay, it's happened recently. But the simple thing is that, or what I would, I would think is that, hey, I've come from US. And I come after four years. And I know people when they come from outside because they live in such kind of a clinically uh, clean kind of sterile environment. They cannot handle our stuff. I I know that every child of mine, everyone who comes from abroad, they cannot drink our water. Till today, Ma cannot drink anything other than this. She cannot drink any water because she drinks her stomach starts because that's the environment in which you, you lived. So the first thing to think is that I'm going to India. I'm going to be careful about it. I'm only here for 10 days or 2 weeks. I'm going to be very careful of what I'm going to eat. Okay? So we cannot say it was a demonic attack. It's just a temptation. I'm not going to do anything. Don't blame me, but I'll make you do it. Make you do it. Okay? So the devil has 101 tricks up his sleeve. Okay? 101 tricks are perceived. That is where we have to be very careful, hmm. very careful, because we have to always look at our purpose. Okay, purpose. Okay, I like this, but I always keep saying, you know, I like this, but I cannot afford to be ill. I cannot afford to be like when I went to Korea. Okay, I went to Korea. I knew I couldn't handle their food. Couldn't handle their food. Okay, so what did I do? I took half a suitcase full of biscuits from here. The only thing that will last. Because I'm not going to get down in Korea and then ask the guests, can you please take me to a supermarket so I can summon? I can't do any of those things. So I do that stuff on my own. But it was good they put me up in the, the with the other senior pastors. So there was always bread, jam, jam jelly, and butter. Mm. Okay, and I was good. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying their food is... But I cannot afford to be ill. I haven't come here to eat. I haven't come. I'm on mission. I haven't come here to eat. And I'm not going to de- allow the devil to come to tempt me where I fall ill. And now I am called to speak. I'm called to preach. I'm called to do this. And I'm saying, I'm sorry, I cannot come because I've seen so many people go down that route are not able to do it because you know what. So you have to be very careful. It doesn't have to be a demonic attack operation. It can be just a temptation that takes you down. Takes you down. You're not on vacation. Even if you're on vacation, I would still say be very careful. Don't spoil your vacation. Mm. Behind everything, there's a purpose. Okay, you like this. You want to eat this. Okay, you know what? Better go to a safe place. Better get go to a safe place. No, I'm telling you the only time I eat food that is cooked, not in my home, is on a Sunday lunch. I refuse to eat. I refuse to eat. I will not. I will not, as far as possible, will not eat. Because you know what? Why do you have to test the Lord by saying that even if you eat something deadly? You, know, you don't have to test the Lord, your God. That also Jesus said. No, you don't have to. You have to. Because days are very bad. The demonic is there. And people are demonic. Let me tell you. If you see the videos of the kind of stuff people are doing in adulterating food just to make money. 
just to make money. You see those things, boy, you don't want to eat out. You don't, you don't want to eat out because, you know, the old kind of normal righteousness and integrity which people had, that is gone. That is gone. That you don't really want to eat out. Old days you could. I mean, talking about my childhood days, you could go out and honestly eat, which we never did, but you could eat because the people all had this kind of righteousness that comes by the law. Okay, you could always knew it was safe. It was safe. Today that is gone. That is gone. So you have to be very, very careful because the problem is not the demonic alone. The problem is people have become demonic. Demonic. Okay, where it is only gain. That is the problem with mammon. Mammon means gain. People are only looking for gain. So they will use any methods, any kind of this thing. Oh. They don't care. Otherwise, look at it. How could people make pediatric cough syrups, which has caused children to die abroad? Pediatric cough syrup. You know, so many companies have been banned in India now. And those this thing cannot be exported and they will not allow you in. And what was it? Children. Demonic agendas. Okay, and who are these people doing? Look at the COVID times and look at some set of people made so much money through it. Like, it is like, make hay while the sun shines. Because so you need to realize we are not living in normal days. Hmm. So we have to understand the wiles of the devil. One, he will use your own desires. Therefore, you need to have self-control. The antidote to desire is self-control. Lock it up. Okay, I know this thing. Okay, but you know what? I have another. I don't want to fall ill. I don't want to mess up my purpose. I am on mission. I have little time on my hand. That is. Then when you go to the second point where it now he says, okay, I cannot tempt him. Let me oppress him. Oppress him. Okay, oppress him. Okay, that can be through words. You receive a word into your mind. Somebody says something. Okay, somebody says something. Okay, I don't know what David's friends, all the soldiers kept on saying, overheard something. Finally, David also started believing it. He said, if I continue like this, Saul will kill me. It was just a thought. It was just a thought. But when he acted on that thought, he gave power to the enemy. Now he's serving the enemy's king, not God's people. Okay, so what I say, you know, for his deliverance, it took 16 months for him to be delivered. And to bring him to the point of deliverance, to that point where he would actually cry out to God and God would deliver him, but he has to fight it. He has to, his deliverance comes after a 24-hour battle. But for that, God had to burn everything down. So you have pictures over there. You have pictures over there. So we have to learn from these pictures and realize mm. if you go to Hebrew, sorry, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, then you come to 11 and 12. Be, be strong in Lord, because why is it? Because you cannot fight the enemy in your power and strength. Not even a nuclear bomb will cause a dent in him because he is spiritual. Then first thing is put on the full armor, the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. And then it says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle. Wrestling is the most intense 
dense form of physical combat. We wrestle against what? Principalities, powers, rulers, darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts. So there is an entire hierarchy. Hmm. Okay, hierarchy. Okay, how it works is that we need to realize how this works. So let's say, you know, 811. Remember 811 many years back, Prime Minister Modi made an announcement on TV, radio, everything, saying demonetization. That is withdrawing the 1,500 rupee notes. Where was the division made, decision made in Delhi? It affected every human being in India and abroad, Indians abroad. So this is what we're talking about. When you are fighting, you are not just fighting the spiritual horse of wickedness around here. You are fighting even the principality over India, which is causing decisions to be made which affects your daily life. You are not fighting at one level alone. You need to realize when he made that decision, it affected everybody. But the decision was not made in made in uh, Alwal. The decision was made in Delhi, but it was implemented in Alwal too. So there are decisions that are made at, at principality levels. It affects everyone. And God says you need to realize you are in a battle. Constant battle and you have to be battled ready constantly. And the thing is that the oppression comes, people get discouraged, people get depressed, people get angry, people get anxious. And you don't learn to deal with anxiety. I'm telling you with believers, till this week, dealing with believers, spirit-built believers. Pastor, what I'm going through? I said, you're going through a panic attack. You're moved from anxiety to the next level. You're going through a panic attack now. Because you know why? Because you did not. And then I call another one who should be, or another one calls me, who should be actually going through panic attack. When anxiety and worry actually tells me, Pastor, it is so nice. I am understanding the actual power of casting my burdens onto Jesus. Literally every day. And enjoying the liberty and the freedom I feel. Why? Because one practiced, the other didn't. Both are true. This is also true. This is also true. If you learn how to fight the battle, you will win. You can walk in the liberty, irrespective of what you're facing outside, because real liberty is inside. So Paul, when he writes the letter to the church in the Philippines, he actually talks about how he has no liberty outside. He talks about his chains. He talks about the oppression, his faith. He writes all that. But then he goes to the other level and talks about the absolute liberty he has inside. Hmm. So there is a battle. And everybody is going through a battle. You know? Everybody goes through a battle. Okay? Mothers like mothers when the whole family is sick. It's a battle. I was talking to a mother. Mother itself is not well struggling. What is your, what is your is your antidote, put on the full armor of God and use the tools that is at your your disposal, which God has given you. Sing your way through. Sing your, of course you will be tired, of course you will be weary, of course, but you cannot allow the enemy to take your mind. Body is one thing. Mm. You cannot allow him to control your thinking because then you will get irritated, you will start shouting and screaming and fighting and okay, no, you cannot allow that to happen. Allow him to have victory of your mind. So we are facing it. 
So there are weapons he has given, there is armor he has given us, and we have to fight it, and we have to cast them out. Okay, cast them out and put on. Otherwise, the Bible says, put off and put on. What are you putting off? Lying. But do you know there is a spirit called the spirit of lying? Yeah. Mm. Okay, lying. Okay, so you are putting off something and putting on. At two levels you are doing it. Okay, God is truth, so you are putting on Christ. Christ is truth, you are putting on Christ. So the change actually has to happen at the deepest level. Mm. That is at the spirit level. For it to be lasting and consistent, any change has to be at the heart level. Mm. The heart is the thing, the heart of the matter. If it changes at the heart level, okay, you will change. On the other hand, if you are solid in the heart level, and even if you are tempted and you fall at the outer level, you will still come back. Mm. You see, Saul, King Saul was never converted at deeply convictions at the heart yes. level. Therefore, when he fell, he could never revert back. Yes. David was very converted, very strong convictions at the heart level. So even when he fell, he always came back. He could come back. Mm. But you need to understand, these are important things mm. because we are dealing with real day-to-day -day operation. Because the Bible will say in the last days, it is going to be terrible. You are going to be afflicted at the body level. What is body level? War, famine, pestilence, earthquakes, you name it, all affects you first at the level of a body. Mm. And then you have the demonic oppression that will come upon with what it causes you, famine and no, no, lack, scarcity, sickness, and oppression, people, no love of many shall grow cold, betrayal, all these things. So you're gonna face oppression at every level. Okay, you look at two, two, no? And nobody's even bothered about it anymore. You know, in Morocco, thousands died. Is anybody even talking about no. it? Nobody's even bothered. More than that died in Libya. Nobody actually even knows the number. Their locals are saying over 100,000 died. Is anybody even reporting it? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. We have come to that. Our, our senses have been dulled. Human tragedy. More people died in one day in Libya than in the Ukraine war. But nobody wants to help Libya. What is happening? Because we need to realize we are also victims of what is happening all around us. Our minds are desensitized. Are desensitized. Why are we so desensitized? Because you know what? We are, we are so caught up with our own problems. So we are now not a blessing anymore. We're not a blessing anymore. But that oh is not. Jesus was a blessing. He was never a burden. Never a burden. He was not in a position where he was a burden to somebody and now he's not a burden to anybody. He was always a blessing. Always. So that's what the church is supposed to be, to be a blessing. Okay, so if anybody tells you these things don't happen, they're not living in this world. Mm. They're not living in this world. They don't understand scripture. Luke 10, 19, Mark 16, 17, Ephesians 6 is all talking about real spiritual battle. And you need to cast these things out of your mind. And when those spirits come, 
and afflict you, you have to cast them out. Cast that spirit off. You can put your hands upon your, yourself and speak healing into your own body and cast it down, rebuke it and cast it down. Because, because don't go by doctrines which does not actually stand the test of either the word of God or, or experience. your experience. experience yeah. Or experience. Mm. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Wow. Another very pertinent question, Pastor, is question number three. Uh, question number three, uh, uh, it's a two-part question. <laughs> uh, it says, uh, it's question number three, question number three. Yeah, it says, why should I forgive people who have done wrong to me? God forgives everyone because he is God. He will and can do anything, but I'm limited. If I forgive these people and when their day comes, when they all, when they all come to know about Jesus, they will ask for forgiveness and God will forgive them even in their last minutes of their life because he is merciful. These people will get away with it. I don't want anyone to go to hell. But before getting saved, they should suffer severe hell on earth. Without pain and suffering, why should people get saved? How will I get my vengeance? Jesus will take vengeance on his enemies. Why shouldn't I? <laughs> okay. Honest question. Honest question. Okay. Let us go to the first part of it. Okay. Why should I forgive people who have done wrong to me? Okay. Now this is this is the way it is. If you don't forgive, if you don't forgive people who have done wrong to you, you have no right to ask forgiveness from God against whom we have all sinned. That's so. Self-interest, Pastor. It's okay. Listen, God, this is what Jesus says about it. Okay, Mm -hmm. please remember, uh, please remember, what others have done to us is nothing compared to what we have done against a most holy God. Mm. Okay, what we have done, we are doing constantly. We are not even aware of what we are doing, marring who he is. The whole of heavens is supposed to declare his glory and the most the one among all his creation that was made in his image was man so of all his creation nothing or nobody was called to reflect his image like man and we have marred his image like not none other in in creation nothing in creation has marred his image like man has Hmm. Technically, every man should be in the lake of fire forever for messing up God's glorious, holy, loving, kind image. That's what we deserve. That is what death is. Death means the lake of fire. Okay? That was the wages of sin is death, which means eternal separation from God in the lake of fire. That's where we all was supposed to go. But God being God did not allow us to go there. That's why he sent his son. Sent his son. Okay. Unless we look at who God is, what he has done, we will not be so compared. This is what Jesus is talking about. You know, you are looking at what your brother has done to you. But you are never looking at what you have done to God. You have done to God. Okay. When he takes his vengeance against his enemies are the ones who rejected his mercy, his forgiveness. Those are repeated. Mm. Those are his enemies. Okay, so we have to be very, very careful about it because you know what? Uh, What 
they have done to you, what about what you have done? The wages of see, they see in God's law book, the penalty for every sin is the same. Mm. <laughs> it is death. Okay. There is no grading. The wages of sin is eternal separation from God. Okay. That is the wages of sin. So the issue is, you are only looking at what you have, others have done to you. But you are not looking at what you have done to others. Not necessarily these two others. Okay. Then you are in big trouble. You are in big trouble. You cannot ask for mercy from God when you say, I will not forgive. That is the Lord's prayer. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive. The problem is, you know what? What people do, people like this do, they are always whitewashing their own sins. They are always whitewashing their own sins. They are not looking at what they have primarily done against God and what they have done against others. Okay? So, the issue is that if you want them to suffer, the thing is that then you will also suffer. You will also suffer. Okay? And that is probably what this person is going through. Let us go to the parable of that servant, unforgiving servant. Matthew 18. Matthew 18. 18 verses 20 onwards. Okay, Matthew 18. Let's go over there. Okay, this is most beautifully put across by Jesus. That's a 22, I think. 22, 22. Matthew 18, hmm? verse 21 onwards. 21. Hmm? Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. That is in a day, okay? Mm-hmm. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king. Now he's talking about what the kingdom, who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him, owed him 10,000 talents. As he was not able to pay it, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and that payment be be made. The servant therefore fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. Then the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him away by the throat saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, I will pay you all. Hmm. And he would not, and went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what he had been, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant just to have pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Likewise. Okay. Mm. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. The person who is, who go through this, writing this mail like this, they are tormented day and night. They are tormented. They have no peace. They are angry. They are mad. You know why? Because they have been forgiven from their heart. 
there. God releases you. He says, if you want to release your brother, I won't release you. Because we need to look. We'll say, but I never did things like that. And that's not the point. The point is, what did it God, what did, did it cost God to forgive you? That is what you have to look. Hmm. You may have not done all this. It's like the Pharisees saying, no, I haven't done this, this, like this man, I have this thing, okay. But you also need forgiveness. Okay. What does it cost God to forgive any sin? The life of his son. Forgiveness for Israel was on day of atonement. What does it cost God to forgive any sin? Answer, the blood of his son. The price is the same. Absolutely. For murder, for lying, the price is the same. The price is the life of his own son. So you need to look at the price that was paid. Okay? So, God says, He did this thing to you. The price for his sin also is my blood. You also did this thing to somebody else and to me. The price is the same. So how do you, how dare you withhold forgiveness when I freely forgave you? Yours was 10,000 talents. That was your sin against me. Born in sin, shaped in iniquity, walked in sin, still walking in sin. I still forgive you when you come to me. Hmm. Compared to that, this is nothing. Okay, this is nothing. Okay, so, and now, the other side is this. Why should I forgive? Even if the other person does not come to me, why should I forgive? So that I can have peace. Okay, unforgiveness, like somebody said in English, unforgiveness is the poison you drink to kill somebody else. This other person may have done something to you, and he doesn't remember it or he doesn't care. He goes about his life bindas happy. But you are so mad and so angry. You are the one who is miserable. Wow. You are the one who is miserable. So God says, you know what? I want to set you free. I want to set you free. So what should you do? Just forgive him. Open your mouth and say, Lord, this one did this thing. But in Christ Jesus' name, I chose to forgive you. Okay, and the most powerful example in the Bible is David and Achitophel. Mm. That's the most powerful example. Yes. Mm. David took Uriah's wife, which is mm. Achitophel's granddaughter, Bathsheba, committed adultery, covered it up, lied, cheated, got that man murdered, and then Nathan comes and points his finger. He breaks down. He accepts his sin. He God puts him through the ringer. He apologizes. He receives, he repents, he receives forgiveness, everything. The child dies and David comes back. He is now living happily. Things are all peaceful. He found one wife finally who understands him, who loves God. Things are all calm. Things are all calm. Victory has come in the kingdom. The enemy has been. Everything is fine. But there's one man who has not forgiven David. Hmm. Whose name is Ahithophel. Hmm. Ahithophel's Epitaph should have been like this. David, Absalom turned against David, but Ahithophel stuck with David. His loyalty was for David, and he gave counsel to David, and David listened to that counsel. Absalom was defeated, but Absalom was not killed, but there was still peace, and that should have been. He would have died as a wise counselor, but that's not what happened. We know the story of what happened. And how he finally commits suicide. You know what? This is a, like connecting it with the previous question. This is how you open doors for demonic oppression. Oppression. You know what? That, when God says forgive, he says don't let the 
they be angry but do not sin unforgiveness is the worst sin worst sin do not sin withholding something when you should give it away why you open the door for the enemy the devil gets a toehold foothold now the devil is residing in your mind you are not able to function properly you are not able to live a happy peaceful life all you are thinking like aithofel is vengeance aithofel is never hypocrite because every day he meets david <laughs> and he is giving him counsel and yes sir yes sir three bags full sir but deep inside he is a hypocrite is living a double life is living a double life okay he is living a double life and ultimately when the opportunity comes he shows the true nature and then ultimately he comes and goes and kills himself the question is who pushed him to commit suicide the demonic why did he reach there all he had to do was forgive mm. but i chose to forgive it's not mine i know he did wrong but if you have not you have forgiven him who am i to judge vengeance is mine there is something called justice there is something called vengeance. vengeance you need to understand in this letter the person who is writing is asking for vengeance it's a very dangerous place to be we can ask for justice we can ask for justice but we cannot ask for vengeance vengeance is something which is only god's no man has the right to ask for vengeance this one did something to me lord so you know what i want justice god says let it go i will deal with that i want to give justice i will do justice will ultimately come there is a day called the day of justice <laughs> you don't worry about it everybody will receive justice but you don't worry about it i will do that my own way in every life you don't worry about it but i want to do justice to you also okay i want to set you free so you do one thing come you on. just forgive him yes 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 because yes. if you don't forgive him you won't get justice mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the justice which i want to show you you won't get it i want to set you free i want you to walk in peace so you just lift up your hands every time he comes in your mind just forgive him forgive her walk in forgiveness you will be free inside and don't worry about him i will handle him okay that is the way it is to be done hmm. but people don't do it and then it becomes the bible says in hebrews uh, 13 if i'm right it or 12 it says the root of bitterness yeah 12 Okay, twelve. The root of bitterness comes, and you know what? Defiles you ultimately many. you defile many. Hmm. Okay, root of bitterness comes in. You know? Twelve, 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 twelve. Chapter twelve, verse ten, yeah. I think. Ten, twelve. Hebrews, yeah. No? Yeah, twelve, fifteen. No. Yeah, looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Now you need to realize, grace of God is here. if you have if you are walking in the grace of god then you are good doesn't matter what you face outside you will realize like apostle paul my grace is sufficient for thee but if you fall short of the grace even the smallest thing will affect you doesn't need something big because you are supposed to live by grace live by faith access grace and love by grace but you don't know the devil is a very very smart chalu is a wily character so he knows if he finds somebody who lives by grace he's a threat to his kingdom because this is the gospel of grace even this word that you are speaking is the word of grace you need to understand only mm-hmm. the word of grace has the power to build you mm-hmm. no other word has the power to build you 
You can take this word and make it into many things, but it doesn't have the power to build you. Only the word of grace, meaning the word that creates faith, which keep, makes that person access into God's grace is what sets him free. Yeah. Nothing else will set you free because only grace can set you free. So what does the devil do? He will cause all kinds of thoughts and processes where you act, where you short, fall short of the grace of God. And then what happens? You become more and more and miserable, miserable, miserable. And you will not take, you are not accountable for your own life. And you will always blame because he did this to me many years ago. That is why I am like this. And you know what? You have become so bitter. And in the process, you are now defiling others with your words and with your actions. You are no longer a blessing. You are not even a burden. You are more than that. A burden is one thing. But now what is happening is you are more than a burden. You are what you have become. What do you call that? Like, you know. A cancerous. Yeah, you have become cancerous. Gangrene. Gangrene. You know, that is only your cancerous cell in your body which is spreading. You are passing that bitterness, you know. Imagine, think about it, okay. Go back to that famous verse, you know. Uh, Ruth chapter 1. Joshua judges Ruth. Easy way to remember. Chapter 1. Okay. Okay. Verse 19. And 20. And 21. Now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And they said, hey, is this now mate? Okay. Everybody is happy. Excited. Because one, harvest has come back. And Naomi, who had gone away for 10 years, have come back. Okay. Come back. People are all excited. Okay. Now here is a woman. She said to me, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi? Since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me. Imagine after that she probably walks away. Imagine how she, how she has defiled the minds of everybody there. Minds of everybody there. All the women, suddenly their excitement, everything is gone. The topic of conversation has gone, changed. Everybody is now. What did you do? Somebody who is bitter. Hmm. Somebody who is bitter. You need to realize at the core of it, Naomi has not forgiven her husband for going to Moab. Maybe it was his decision. Naomi has not forgiven God because her husband died and her sons died. Naomi has probably not even forgiven deep inside. She's mad at her daughters-in-law also because medical science is in there. So she's probably blaming them for not giving her offspring. So sort of things hidden inside. It comes out like that. If you look at that, you look at that. The Almighty has... Lord has, the Lord has, the Almighty has. In two words, she testifies against God four times. Okay, okay, and that's a very bad testimony. Very bad testimony. Okay, yet she has no, see, you realize, in spite of it all, God is good. He can never change. His entire purpose is to redeem Naomi and her family. God is still good. 
God has not changed. So we need to understand this is why God says forgive. Because unforgiveness is where it all begins. Okay? When we are humans, you know, what happens is we are living as a community in a home, in a church, in an office in the world. We will always rub against each other. That's going to happen. Okay, in a home it will happen, church it will happen, office it will happen. And God puts this thing, you know, and uh, these are sinners who are living together. Some are saved, some are not saved, but all were, all are still living. The flesh is there, sin is there. We have not been freed from the power of sin. We have been only been freed from the penalty of sin. So while you are living over there, sin will be there. And sin will cause issues. So God says, be angry. Mm over issues. Be angry. You need to take a stand. You cannot compromise and tolerate. You need to take a stand. But do not sin. Do not sin. Because if you sin, you give the devil a foothold. Mm -hmm. One, you have to look at what you do to the devil. You are allowing him into the house. Second, you grieve the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit doesn't go. But you grieve. Grieve him. When you grieve him, like Pastor Vijay, let us say he didn't, but let us say he was mad at Justin in the morning. And he didn't say anything, he just walked out of the house. Okay? Now Justin is grieved. So if when he goes back in the evening, he will have a very silent meal. <laughs> silent. <coughs> Everything will be there. But Justin is not going to say anything. Justin may even keep the food on the table and go to sleep early. You know why? So, you grieved somebody. Grieved somebody. Okay? So, a lot of people do not realize this. A lot of people uh, don't are not very much bothered about why the Holy Spirit is no, grieved. Or, like I said, you know, like that man of God said, a lot of people, if they go to heaven and Jesus, they don't meet Jesus, they are not very much bothered. Because they didn't, they were not very much bothered here, so why should they be bothered there? Okay, but that is not, you have to grow in your relationship with God. This is where these things matter. When you are looking, if you, if you don't have, and if you are not hungry for that relationship, then all the stuff which you are saying doesn't make any difference. Okay, if I were to tell to somebody, the greatest and the most important law of all laws is you need to learn to love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. That is the most important thing in this life and in eternity. And if you don't forgive your brother, you will never be able to love God. Hmm. Then suddenly, really, yeah, you won't be able to love God, you won't be able to love your neighbor either. If you don't forgive, if you choose to forgive, 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 you will not be able to love God. It is going to affect your relationship with God. So sometimes a lot of things which we do is because it has got to do with our relationship with God. With God and with man. Both. Because if I am not a forgiving person, let us say it's this person who, are, who, who wrote, he says, this person hurt me and I'm never going to forgive. And this one did, I'm never want to vengeance. The problem is, this person is not really able to have proper relationship with others because he's working on a data baggage, mm. baggage from mm. other relationships. A lot of people do not have proper relationship is because they're walking still in unforgiveness with people who have honestly maybe done wrong with them. Mm. But because you're carrying that baggage, they are not able to relate to people. Okay. Mm. 
And so it is affecting your vertical relationship with God because God says forgive. It's affecting your horizontal relationship with man. Because you are carrying this baggage. Because you are not able to trust anybody. One of the primary things you need to have a very vibrant relationship with anybody is trust. But you are not able to trust anybody because that one did this to me, this one did to me, this one did to me. And I will never, I will never forgive anybody. Also means I will never trust anybody. Because if you don't have trust, how can you have relationships? Okay, you cannot have relationships. So you need to realize when God is saying forgive, He's not telling this to you for the other person's He's sake. He's saying for your sake. <laughs> the other person may or may not want your forgiveness at all. He may not be interested in God at all. He may go straight to hell one day. But God is telling you to forgive so that you can have a relationship with God. Mm. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. mercy. Obtain mercy. Okay, because there will be a day when you need mercy. Ah. A day when you need mercy. And because you are an unforgiving person, you are not able to obtain, mer- obtain mercy because you see, I go to the ATM and I put my card in and I punch in and trying to withdraw and it says insufficient funds. Now, can you blame the bank? No. no. Can you blame the ATM machine? No. The problem is you did not put money in, deposit in. Mm -hmm. So God says, when you are living on earth, store treasures in heaven. heaven. What is the greatest treasure I need on earth when I am living is mercy. The question is, have you sent it up? Have you stocked up mercy in heaven Mm -hmm. for you to withdraw? Mm -hmm. Because a day will come when you will need mercy. Will need mercy. And the question is, have you stocked up enough mercy? Mm. Have you shown mercy? Okay, this is basically what Job is actually asking. He's asking, he, he's not troubled by what has happened to him. He wants to know if I am the cause. Because he works under the, this thing of cause and effect. Mm. Did I do this? Did I do this? Did any widow go? Did I do this thing? Did any hungry go? Why is this happening? He's looking at cause and effect. And all his arguments are right. That's why God says he did not sin. But he did not see something out of this. God is trying to bring something bigger and better in his Mm. life. That's what he didn't understand. Mm. So the question is, a day will come every day. Why is that David is able to find mercy in the most dire straits of his life? Because he he was always a merciful man. To Saul, especially. No, to Saul, to everybody. Mm. You think about it. Ziklag has been burned down. Everybody has taken your wives and your children. You are rushing to save them and there is a sick man. Who will stop? Mm. Merciful man. Mm. Only a merciful man will stop. Yeah. Merciful mm. man. And Jesus is talking about a man who went from Jerusalem to Jericho, waved, laid by thieves, beaten up over there. Okay, we want to go into the depths of it. A simple thing like it. the priest is going, the Levite is going, everybody is going. What are they going? Where are they going? To Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Where are they going to, to Jerusalem? Where in Jerusalem? Worship. Temple. Where? What do you need in the temple? Mercy. Mercy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you what do you go to the temple for? First thing what do you need? Is mercy. How can they receive mercy? Did they show this man any mercy? No. They didn't show any man this man any mercy. Okay. But there was a Samaritan. And Jesus always showing this thing what brings this Samaritan into the picture. Right? And there are ten lepers. All of them received mercy. Everybody cried mercy. And while they were going, they got healed. But one understood mercy. Mercy means you don't deserve it. Otherwise, it is not mercy. 
he rushed back. Praise God with a loud voice. Okay? This is the danger of unforgiveness. The danger of unforgiveness is that when it is your time for mercy, you don't deserve mercy. Okay? We don't know how old Ruth is, or sorry, Naomi is. It does not matter if you look at the history of God's dealing with women. Mm. Sarah was 19. Mm. Elizabeth was very old. Both conceived mm. because it was God's plan. Right? And Boaz was the kinsman redeemer of Naomi, not Ruth. Kinsman redeemer of Naomi. And Boaz was an old man. He was not a young man. If you read the scripture carefully, he was not a young man. He was an old man because he said, there are so many young men here. Why did you come to me? Ruth is young. Boaz is old. Naomi is old. Boaz would have redeemed Naomi. But the problem is this. When the time came for her mercy, she has left no mercy anywhere. Okay. Well, Ruth has shown mercy to her mother-in-law. She looks at her mother-in-law, she's old, she has no sons, I'll be like a son to her, I'll take care of her till, and I'll go through the shame and the ostracization of living in a Jewish community, but I will take care of my mother-in-law. What was she showing? Mercy. So God shows mercy to her. This is a danger. We need to understand how God's kingdom works. So when God says something, Knowing that he's a loving God, a good God, intends for your good, for your liberty, for your freedom, for your well-being, for your prosperity, just go do it. Mm. Just be merciful. Father, I choose to forgive this. I'm not justifying that what they did was right or anything. No, by mercy, showing forgiving, you're not saying what they did was right. And remember, forgiveness is an act of will. Yes. It is not a feeling. Mm-hmm. You don't have to feel. You just open your mouth and keep saying, and someday the feeling will come. Mm. Doesn't matter. It's an act of will. People confuse forgiveness with a feeling. It's not a feeling. It's an act of will. You choose to forgive. You choose to forgive. You open your mouth and say, Lord, I forgive. And you will suddenly realize the power of it, how it works. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Praise God. Pastor, because we are talking about a community, also we to, because mercy has to be shown in a community. So there's a there's a question related to community. This is uh, I think you should uh, look at this as well. This is question number four. Okay, question number four. Next question. It says you stated that our walk with God is very personal and that we cannot walk with God as a community, despite the fact that we are all adopted into the same family and running the same race. Emphasis on the the okay the race the same race. What is the significance of godly friendship and? even godly soul ties such as David and Jonathan. I think we looked at it. Mm. Yeah. We did this, right? No, we did not. We didn't look at this, but we looked at soul ties. Soul this tie. question is different. different yeah. We did soul ties. Yeah, we, this question was this different. Okay. A walk with God is always personal. And we cannot walk with, though we worship God as a community, we praise God as a community, we can serve God as a community, we cannot walk with God as a community. Because we are all individually absolutely different. Yes. Even a father does not walk with his children in the same way. Mm-hmm. Even if he lets a father has five children and he's taking all five children for a walk, mm-hmm. he does not talk to all five the same way. And even if he says the same thing to the five, they understand it five different ways. Mm-hmm. They cannot understand it the same way because our age matters. 
our age changes our 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 no not even identical twins are the same in their walk with god it's not possible we are all part of but we do a lot of things as a community together mm-hmm. we do a whole lot of things as a community but with god ultimately we praise god we worship god we serve god we have a lot of things together as a community of god like we do a whole lot of things as a family together mm-hmm. right and then the father will call the individual children and speak to them differently one by one whether it is discipline or whether it is fellowship it is not the same it is not the same though they have family time together which is very common but the relationship with each one is not the same our father loves us all perfectly we are not talking about love here also but how he relates to us is differently so it is not it is not possible okay so the race we are all running the same race but our track is not the same okay like you look in a 100 meter dash and there are 10 or 15 competitors they are all like 100 meter 400 meter whatever they are not running in the same track they are running in separate tracks so we are all in the same race the price that is promised is the same but the race is not the it's is uh, the track is not the same my life is so completely different from his though both of our pastors our struggles are different our burdens are different everything is different so we are all running differently so we can learn from each other encourage from each other where experiences overlap but we are running separate okay that's why even when we're talking about it of the walk and this thing two will be in the bed mm. one will be taken okay two will be in the bed one will be taken okay um, like the first case of rapture in the bible is the most stunning and startling and scary enoch alone was taken what does it mean mrs enoch did not walk with god to that point where god could take them uh, together okay i mean forget the children let them live and finish their race but mrs enoch we don't even know who her, what her name is mrs enoch did not walk with god and you need to understand the reality of this you could probably have the most godly man under the sky living in your house sleeping next to you communicating to the most godly man is enoch because he was taken alive and it you are untouched and is not even interested in walking with his god that's the reality of it mm. okay so your walk is personal the walk is personal so what is the significance of godly friendship yes we need godly friendship if you look when paul tells not timothy flee and pursue 222 second timothy chapter 2 verse 22 23 24 Okay. 20 onwards actually 22 22 is it okay 22 is it flee also youthful lusts but pursue righteousness faith love peace with those who call on the lord out of a pure heart okay so godly friendships are very very important like when the apostle solomon will talk about the book of ecclesiastes right uh, two is better than one yeah. one is down the other one can pull up and three call cord is very difficult to break okay now we understand the power of it when we read the story the book of daniel there were four of them 
Okay. Every time there was a crisis, unless they were all separated, you will see they came together, together they fasted and prayed. prayed yes. Hmm. Fasted and prayed. So godly friendships are very, very powerful. You know, there are situations where you don't have anybody. So we have a Joseph also. We have a Joseph also. Joseph was all alone because he had nobody. But all alone he stood and therefore the Bible says God was with him. So you look at it, he was not alone. God was with him. But godly, if you look at David, one of David's uh, major um, drawbacks in his life was that he never had a godly mentor. If you look at David, he never had a godly mentor. His closest companion in his life was Jonathan. And that's why he weeps when Jonathan died. Samuel, if you read, seems to have a chip on his shoulder. He was infatuated by Saul. 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 And when Saul was discarded, he took it very personally. It's like my my best student failed the exam. He took it very personally. Okay, And he could have mentored David. And David was at one point with him, but he didn't mentor David at all. Okay, Because young people need mentors. Mentors. And if they can have godly companionships, friends of their own age, it's a very powerful. I still remember when I came to the Lord, I had two sets of friends, the worldly and I had the godly. The godly, I can still remember their names, Vergis Nainan, Santosh Matthew, George Gora, Matthew Philip. I'm talking about 1983. I can still remember everybody's name. If you ask me the names of the others, I have forgotten, except somebody who texts me even now. But the others, I can still remember. All of them were godly. Very godly. Undergraduation, first year, like today, to find kids like that. Okay, it's unbelievable. Absolutely godly. Nothing, even in those days, absolutely godly. Very clear. This is it. Okay, so you had, I had, I did not have a mentor in the sense of somebody older because there was no church I could go to. I had no pastor, I had no church, but I had a set of godly young ones who would come every evening of my own age group came in the evening at nine o'clock, knock on my door and say it's Bible study time, 30 minutes the hostel allows, they will take me without fail. On Sundays, I wouldn't go to church because there was no church to go to, so I wouldn't go to church and they will not say anything. But in the afternoon, after lunch, they will come and say, they have to come for the youth meeting. Without fail. Okay, So you need to realize, mm. they, you need that. You need that. Okay, Godly. In the same way, ungodly friendships are very bad. Very, very bad. Because they will pull you, okay? See, no boy goes and drinks alone. He needs company. Any mm. of these vices, you always need company. There's somebody who drags you. Drags you. And if that is what the Bible is talking about, flee also youthful lust, but pursue. So you have a company. Flee them and flee their this thing. And pursue with those who call on the Lord out of a pure. If you have a godly company, if you don't have a godly company, then choose to stay alone. That's fine. Stay alone. Joseph stayed alone. He had no godly company there. He's the only Hebrew. He's looking for a Hebrew. There's no Hebrew. So he stayed alone. Ate alone. Spent alone. Okay. I don't think he hardly communicated with anybody. 
But he was alone. Everywhere he was alone. But he was always a kind, giving person. But he was alone. Because he had no godly company. But you come to scenario two, you will see Daniel and the three friends standing up and they are one group. They are one group. Okay. So that's how you look at it. That's how you. Godly soul ties really matter. Godly friends really, really matter in life. That is God's antidote to Elijah. Alright. He says, you know what? You see, I always think about this person called the widow's son. Okay, This guy came back from the dead. He had the best mentor of all times living under his roof called Elijah. But I believe he was the servant, servant. who went up the mountain. Mm. And he was left at uh, Beersheba, right? And uh, after that, you don't hear him about. No impact of Elijah on his life. Okay, Eliza. I mean, think about it, okay? This is what you need to understand, the reality <laughs> of spiritual warfare. Let us say like this, okay? This is, these are two young men, okay? Camera. This is a young man with whom Elijah has lived almost, let us say, three years. Three years Elijah has lived with him. Brought him back from the dead. Taken him up, up to Mount Carmel. He has seen it all, the power of God. He has seen the fire. He has gained the rain, everything. And one day when Elijah leaves him alone, he goes back. Here is another man called Elisha, who has never seen probably Elijah, has none of these experiences. The day he puts the mantle upon him, he follows him for the rest of his life. So you need to understand these are realities. Realities. Okay. You can stay with the best anointed preacher and then just leave one day and go. And then this same preacher meets somebody else who in his mind is always dreaming and thinking about following him. And that man comes home and he burns everything and follows him. Okay, so you need to understand the antidote given to Elijah's depression is you need companionship. Jesus sent people two by two. Okay, so that is where it comes. So godly soul ties are very, very good. Soul ties are good. Men need godly <laughs> friends. Men, women need godly women as friends. You need those things. You cannot be a loner because you know what? If you are a loner, you will always Fight depression. It doesn't matter even if you're as anointed as Elijah, you will fight a depression. Okay? Because it was God who said it is not good for man. It is not good for man to be alone. Okay. Now if you take that statement in itself and not bring marriage into it, it's a truth. It's not good for any man to be alone. It's not good for any man to be alone. Okay. Unless you are put in that kind of a situation like Joseph, which rarely happens, but does happen also. to happens with tens and thousands of people who are incarcerated for their faith in isolation. But other than that, it is not good for man to be alone. You always need to have somebody, somebody who is godly, who you walk with, who you share with, wow. who you talk with, who you pray with. Okay, the Bible says that if Two of you agree. It doesn't say one of you. One has its power. One can put a thousand to flee. But the thing is, it's a quantum leap. When it comes to two, it's ten thousand. Logically, math shouldn't work like mm -hmm. that. One puts a thousand to flee. Two puts two thousand. 
But that's not how it happens. It is two. So Jonathan leaves his father's camp and he says, God can save by many or little. Will you come? And the armor bearer says, I'm with you, master, mm. wherever you go. And before you knew, the Bible says the earth shook. Because it is two who's climbing up and fighting the Philistines. And the Bible says the Philistines fell before Jonathan and the armor bearer behind him finished him off. And yet there is only one sword. Okay, so it's the power of two people working over there. So that is how we have to realize there is power. God says, if two of you agree on anything on earth, it shall be done in heaven. If you bind, it shall be bound. If you release, it shall be released. So there is always power in this too. And therefore, you should always ask God and say, Lord, give me a godly companion. If you're a man, a man. If you're a woman, a woman. And if you are married, of course, your spouse, Lord, I need a godly spouse with whom I can agree. Last night we were talking with our children, no? And Tanmai, Tanmai, so Tanmai was on the, Tanmai, where are you going? No, we are going for fasting and prayer. It finishes at four, but we stay once a month. It's there at uh, this place and we stay till two o'clock. Okay. So all this year stage was going alone. And Tanmai was never allowed to go for any of these things. But you know, she's found a godly companion. He's found a godly companion. Now, where are the two going? They're going together for a fasting and prayer. Okay. So you need to realize that is important. These things are important. Godly soul ties are very, very important because you know what? It releases power. It releases power into into your life and you are more useful, more effective in the kingdom of God. So from that point till he is taken up in the chariot, you don't see Elijah buckling anymore. No depression. Nothing. No depression, mm. nothing. Something changed altogether in his life because he's got, he's mentoring somebody and he has a companion in his, with him. Okay, so God has prescribed these things. Go with this is like the director says, this is God's medicine bottle. Mm-hmm. He has prescribed everything you, Lord. Mm-hmm. for you. Go that route, it will work. Wow. It will work. Okay, so going back to the question, yes, godly soul ties really. What is the significance of godly friendship? Even God has David and Jonathan. And David's major issue, if you look at David's life, if you learn from the beginning onwards, there was a good patch in his life when Jonathan was there. And then you have to go all the way till Bethsheba comes. Jonathan wasn't there. <laughs> Jonathan is gone. Until then, he has nobody. He has nobody. He's a loner. Absolutely. He's a loner until Bethsheba comes into the picture. And then he has somebody. And you can know from Solomon, you can realize he finally found his mate, helpmate, his Bethsheba. Okay, though all the others are there, but you will realize it didn't work. Because you look at their children, it did not work. It didn't work. Because it doesn't matter whether you are a king. It is irrelevant in the home. Irrelevant in the home. In the home, the king does not matter. The mother matters. <laughs> The mother is antagonist towards her husband who is the king. She can still turn, without a word, she can turn the children against the father. She can do that. Because children are very influenced by what happens in the house. And that's basically what happens. 
Okay, that's where you will realize the <laughs> influence Solomon has, that David has on Solomon's life, the influence he has. Okay, and the mother also has on his life. Powerful influence he has there. So if you look at, you read what is unwritten, you can be very sure that post his marriage to Bathsheba, he spent most of the time in that palace. Not with the others. Okay. And he couldn't really discipline the other sons. And he, he finally gave up. So the Bible talks about Adonijah. He didn't even say anything. Yes, good or bad, he didn't say. He left it alone. Okay, but that's not how Solomon turned up. Solomon turned out really good. If you look at it, one son who never turned against his father. And the throne, he took over. And he did well. For a whole season, he did well. Then he went wonky. So that's how it works. And if you look at Solomon too, he had no friends. He had no friends. No mentors. No mm-hmm. mentors, no friends. He had no one godly friend he did not have. So these things really, really matter. Okay, You need to have one godly. Everybody needs to have one godly friend. <laughs> to whom you can say anything and they may even shout at you but they will never break your, their friendship with you. That is what it means. Uh, there is a friend that sticks Close closer than a brother. It's a friend with whom you can say the worst thing you have done. They may get so mad and may even hit you, but they will never leave you. They will leave you. Okay, and that's Jesus. You can tell him whatever you have done. He already knows, but he will not leave you. You won't leave. Okay. But if you have somebody close on earth like that, a good friend to whom you can, a godly friend like that, it is awesome. Where Jonathan will literally protect David with his own life at the risk of his own life. Mm. That's the kind of friend he had. And only he could have done it. Nobody could have protected David at that point in life. Only Jonathan could have. And Jonathan was a good friend. So it's good to have good friends. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we'll close for the day. So we shall close there today. And hopefully we'll see all of you. Except I hope you have recovered. Some still haven't. We hope to see you. Okay, we shall pray. Pastor Vijay, we'll close in prayer. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you, Lord, for this time that you've given to us. Lord, we thank you for every opportunity that you give to us in different formats to listen to your word. Some very pertinent personal questions, honest questions that your, that your children have sent from all around the world. And Lord, uh, we believe that you've spoken to everyone's heart and you've made it relevant to every situation that we are going through. In our particular situation, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you, Father, that it will not come back void, but it will accomplish the purpose for which it, for which it was sent. And thank you, Lord, once again for this time that you have given to us, this format that you blessed us with. And even as we, Lord, have come to the end of the day, we commit ourselves to you, O Lord. I pray, Lord, that you will grant us a good night's rest, O Lord, and grant us another day. Lord, grant us another day, O Lord, in the land of the living that we will, Lord, continuously prepare ourselves, O oh Lord, even for your coming, O oh Lord, because we still have to finish our race. We still have to accomplish the purpose that you have entrusted us with, O oh Lord. And I pray, Lord, that you would grant us opportunity, O oh Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you 
for this time. Once again, we give you glory, we give you honor, we give you praise in everything that you have done for us. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen.